the best of times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for material adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those who are listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about brain rules and guidelines from aging well. So stay to this show for some very beneficial and important information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, November the 18th, and we're broadcasting our show for the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio. Radio listeners, be sure to pick up the November issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy at one of our distribution locations, you can visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues, as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. We want to thank everyone for attending the 8th Annual Senior Day Expo that occurred on Thursday, October the 26th at the Hearst Coliseum. We had a record attendance of over 2,500 employees. persons of all ages. We gave away a record number of prizes and we had some great entertainment throughout the day on stage. There were over a hundred exhibitors providing information about important items and products and services that they give that they can provide to seniors and boomers in the area. Of course, we gave away two fabulous door prizes. Our first winner was a winner of a $200 package that was won by Gary Lafitte of Shreveport, Louisiana. And our grand door prize, which consisted of a 10-day trip for two persons to go to China that was donated by our friends at Nexus Holidays. And this was won by Miss Velma Johnson of Benton, Louisiana. Congratulations to both Velma and Gary and also the other 200-plus door prize winners that that were at our Senior Day Expo. We want to thank our wonderful exhibitors and, of course, the State Fair of Louisiana and Nexus Holidays and an international travel agency. Make plans to see the Elf, the musical, that will take place beginning on November the 30th to December the 3rd at the Engine Room at Art Station located at 801 Crockett Street in downtown Shreveport. This production is hosted by our friends at Stage Center. And for ticket and information, do call 318-218-9978. That's 318-218-9978. The Shreveport Little Theater's next production is a comedy of tenors that will begin on november the 30th and extend to december the 10th at 812 margaret place in shreveport for tickets and information do call 318-424-4439 again that's 318-424-4439 Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. 
Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bear Stunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest. It's Mr. John Medina, who is a world-renowned developmental molecular biologist and also an international author. And I've invited John to be on this radio show today to discuss his new book, Brain Rules for Aging Well. Thank you, John, for taking the time to join us on my radio show. Well, I want to tell all of my listeners, John, and you, you already know maybe what I'm going to say, is I found this book fascinating. I mean, I got it. Uh, they, his publicist sent it to me, and I said, hey, another one of those 500 books that I will get, and probably <laughs> I have to gleam through them all and read them and decide yes or no. But I'm telling you, listeners out there, I was fascinated by it, and I think my my ad, uh Advocacy to you all out there is pick up a copy of this book for you or your loved ones. Uh, it was highly beneficial for me. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm a mature adult. I'm aging, and I see many of the things that he lists in his top ten brain rules for aging well that I have implemented. Some I have not, but he elaborates in over 500 pages or 350 pages on on ways to improve those particular rules. And I highly, highly recommend that to everyone. And I'm so thrilled to have you on our show today to do a little lanyap, a little extra uh, from his from his book. And uh, I know it's going to be probably a, a bestseller if it's not already that, John. So, again, thank you for joining us today. What a lovely way to start an interview. Thank you, Gary. So what do you tell our listeners your background? When when I, I we did plug it in the Best of Times magazine and somebody said, a biologist writing a book about this. <laughs> so, what's your background and why? I and mean, how do you, how do you get involved in, in in brain and neurons and all these things and in this positive attitude kind of thing? Sure. Well, I'm a uh, as you mentioned, I'm a developmental molecular biologist, and my research interests are the genetics of psychiatric disorders. Oh. So I spend okay. a long time thinking about how the brain develops in the womb at the level of cell and gene. That's the developmental part. And then what happens years later when you get a psychiatric disorder? One of those, some of those disorders do not really show themselves until you are eligible for an AARP letter. Thank you very so much. So there's certain types of dementias <laughs> and Parkinson's and, and uh, Alzheimer's disease. So that's, that's, where it, that's where it touches uh, the world in which I reside. So what inspired you to write this book? Well, there's probably two reasons. The first one, Gary, I'm 61. <laughs> no, you sound like you're 30. Okay, go ahead. Oh, what a lovely thing to say. No, the uh, I, I am 61. That's actually not the real reason why I wrote it. The real reason why I wrote it is that um, uh, I know that there's a lot of mythologies out there about what you can do about how to make your brain uh, healthier and grow uh, uh, well while you're aging. For example, you may have heard that uh, doing a Sudoku or a crossword puzzle Correct. will actually improve the performance in the aging brain. That turns out not to be true. Oh, don't if you tell do me Sudoku that. And I'm sorry? Don't tell us that. We have that in our magazine for the past 17 years, and all my seniors and my boomers say we love that. It think, I think it inspires me. It must inspire them, but maybe it didn't help them mentally. Is that what you're saying? 
Exactly right. It's it's something that we call near transfer versus far transfer effect. If you do Sudoku puzzles, that increases your ability to do Sudoku puzzles, but it doesn't increase your ability to do other things in other domains, like uh, problem solving or processing speed, or even increase your memory. In order for you to do something like that, you, uh, when we measure it in the laboratory, it's called far transfer effect. Now, the reason why I wrote the book, though, is that not to uh, uh, say a bunch of bad news, but also to say there's a lot of really good news. There are a number of things that you can do which actually do have far transfer effects that actually do improve your thinking and your memory and your ability to, uh, uh, um, uh, to function better. Here's one. Socializing. Okay. The more you, as a, with your senior brain, have friends and family, it's what we call social integration profile. The higher your social integration profile, uh, uh, the smarter you become. Or better to say, the more you decrease your uh, your probability of cognitive decline. In the laboratory, we know that the people who socialize the highest, the group that has, actually has the highest social integration score, reduced the rate of cognitive decline by 70%. Memory decline was half that of non-socializers. Wow. So there's no reason not to do a Sudoku puzzle, but there's no reason to do one either. When you could have a chance to go out with coffee and have a, uh, and have a good time with a good friend, that's better for your brain than it is doing a crossword puzzle. And that's the point of the book. And There's about ten of those things. Yeah, and that, uh, you do elaborate, and that was your number one thing, which I, I, I see that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking myself all the many years now that I'm 67, the more people that socialize and have friends and do bridge parties and play bridge yeah. together and, and interact that way and, and com- have con- conversation going out to dinner on trips and whatnot seem to have a more positive and they, they seem to be more healthy. Yeah. Well, it even buffers against illness, to your point. Uh, seniors who socialize a lot don't get sick as often. They don't have as many infectious diseases. And we even know the reasons why. The more you socialize, the higher your uh, dopamine levels in your brain become and the lower your stress hormone levels become. Okay. When you elevate stress, that's the type of actually targets a very specific cell type in the immune system. They're called T cells. If we want to get fancy, they're called CD4 positive cells. But the more stress you have, the more you blast away at those T cells, and the worse your immune system becomes. But, now, but let's clarify something. I think you mentioned the book in so many words or less. You know, socializing is a is uh, can mean a lot of things to different people. But uh, yeah. but you you and I had one lady, but we were talking about about using the social media network, Facebook and all those things. Sure. That that that's good, but it I think the one on one dealing is I think you're you're trying to emphasize that in your book. That one on one friendships and socializing and volunteering and be part of clubs and activities. Don't just, you know, do it on the internet or do it do it via Facebook. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Now, there is data that shows that social media exposure improves language skills and boosts something we call executive function, which includes memory and emotional regulation. And for those people that can't get out very much, I would argue that social media is a godsend. But if you have a choice, it will be much better to turn off your computer and instead go join a book club. Right. In fact... We know that reading is so powerful, Gary. If you read three and a half hours a day, you have a 17% less likely chance of dying at a certain age. And if you read more than three and a half hours a day, uh, you have a 23% uh, less chance of dying. So, so one of my, the best things my you wife, could do... 
my wife, I've got, I've got to tell, I've got to tell her that finding. I don't remember that in the book. It might have been in there. I've read it three times now. I haven't caught everything in, everything by memory here. But you know, my wife was one of those, and her lady friends have book two or three book clubs. But she lived, yeah. she reads probably three hours a day. I would say I read maybe an hour and a half. Sometimes, sometimes less a day, but most of the times an hour and a half. So that is remarkable. Wow. Well, one of the wonderful things about a book club is that not only does the reading uh, have benefit, the reading, the secret sauce is actually the reading, but <laughs> book clubs are almost always done in a social context. True. So what you're doing is that you're not only reading, you're reading while you're socializing, and that's a two for one. So mm. we could make a strong argument that all of your listeners out there should get started on a book club okay. and uh, make it a regular part of what you're doing. I even have a suggestion as to the type of people that should be in the book club. Mm. The type of people that should be in the book club are people that are not your own age but are younger than you are. Really? Yeah. It's, it's good to have people your own age there, too. It's, it's good to have the... But the younger ones history. will do what for me? Challenge you because mm. they usually don't have your point of view. Okay. And it turns out, Gary, that the more you interact with people with whom you are friendly, okay, so it's got to be done in the context of a friendship, but who regularly tick you off <laughs> because they don't have the same political point of view you have or they don't have the same social view you have, it's been shown that if you regularly tangle, and I do mean get into a friendly argument, Gary, I really do, you can increase a type of memory gadget in your brain we call episodic memory. This is the ability to remember uh, episodes in your life or like oh. who gave you what present. 600% improvement, no kidding, if you regularly tangle with people you don't agree with. Okay. Okay. I. I. I now. I'm, I'm thinking of analogy here, or what actually. When. When I go to family gatherings and the younger people there, and we. We. They ask me something about my opinion, and also I said, well, let me tell you a story back in the 80s and 70s. Yeah. And it seems like my memory banks kick in and I get more stories and then they'll say, wow, that's fascinating. And then they'll say, why did y'all do that then? Oh, that was the, the norm. And <laughs> yes, the confrontation was friendly and was yeah. nice even though they're relatives. They, they respect you, but they but you listen to their opinion as well. So uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, now I see that, wow, okay. I will uh, suggest that to my, I'm not a member of a book club, but my wife is a member uh -huh. of several of them, but I'm going to suggest uh -huh. that to her. Maybe I'll start a guide. Mainly, take this, uh, John, is most of the book clubs that I know of in the area that this may not be the case in seattle where you're at yeah. uh yeah. they're mainly women they don't let men they only have women <laughs> book clubs and, and the men are not allowed I, like i asked tina can i join no you cannot you cannot join this club this only ladies only night we we have our wine we discuss the book and for four hours okay uh, but but the other factor i found in your book and and i will say that uh i never thought of it in such a way is dancing Yes. He emphasizes in his book as one of his one of his thing is dance, dance, dance at any yes. age, right? Absolutely. Yep. And why and is I, that? Why is it good? Well, it's actually I, I think of it as a trifecta of goodness. Ooh. The first is the one we just talked about. There's mm -hmm. three reasons why dancing is good. The first is that uh, it forces you out of social isolation. Right? You're going to okay. dance. You got to interact with somebody. You can't just dance in your own apartment or your own room and, and expect any good to be done. But the second one is uh, uh, also uh, obvious. You get a certain amount of exercise. Uh, 
but you're doing it in a, in a fashion that only might give you a, a, an aerobic spike, but it also forces you to know where your body is at any one time. So you're busy exercising certain types of your joints and certain types of strengthening and balance and that kind of stuff. The third is the most interesting to me that's been shown in the literature because it's also a heartbreaker. You know, when I was busy uh, uh, getting ready for this book, I visited a number of nursing homes and was in facilities where uh, people were not dancing. <laughs> and uh, almost universally, when I asked them, people that were in those homes, how they felt about aging, they said what was tough about it. One of the toughest was they felt like they were invisible, that oh. nobody touched them anymore. In okay. fact, people just looked right through them. Well, when you're dancing, you are forced ritualizing non-exploitive touching. And touching the skin of an elderly person has been shown to have terrific cognitive brain benefits for that person. And since elderly people generally are, are increasingly less touched, some, and like I say, they, people feel like they're invisible. When you're out there on the dance floor, not only are you getting a social interaction and not only are you getting exercise, you're actually getting touched in a non-exploitive fashion. And the more you can do that, the better it is for the brain. So, yep, dancing is a trifecta. Well, I hope all of our nursing home administrators, assisted living administrators, hear this broadcast and hopefully spread the word about that. You know, that's not a, uh, that is a definite benefit of dancing, but that, that interaction of, the, as John just mentioned, I, I, now I'm getting like a, uh, feedback here myself when my mother was in a nursing home and, and yeah. I, I noticed that they would dance and she would move around and, and, yeah. uh, some of the individuals would not want to get up and I would say, here's my hand, come up, I'll help you. And, yeah. and they were like thrilled that I offered myself, the, the younger person from these 80 and 90 year olds to dance with them as well. And, and now I can understand like they were grabbing me like nobody's has ever touched them in a while. I could see that. Wow. Now I could see that in their eyes. And I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in fact, the more you can do, like I say, non-exploitive touch, touching the skin, the very fact of human skin-on-skin -skin contact, where you're actually, that often then means face-to-face -face interactions because you're close, that's a bunch of relational secret sauce for an elderly person, that's for sure. It's actually good for anybody, Gary, uh, but it's especially good in places where you're no, for people in populations where touching is no longer uh, an active form of their lives. And you don't have to be a professional ballroom dancer. I was telling one somebody, I'm, I'm not the best dance, dancer in the world, and my wife and I, you know, occasionally, yeah. we love we love dancing, but I'm not, I don't know all these 40,000 steps. And we're Greek, too, so we do Greek dancing. I enjoy that. It's a lot of touchy. We hold hands, and, sure. and th there is a lot of, of interaction there as well, so that, that might be the case. We're not, we're not separately dancing. We're holding hands and yeah, then yeah. doing it a line. I'm sure you've, you've seen, you know, Zorba the Greek and all the various oh, other Greek yeah. show, the shows, the Big Fat Week Wedding, where they have some various dance routines. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The more you can do that, the better. In fact, I would argue that wiggling in front of each other is not as good as ritualizing the dance. <laughs> so have some actual moves, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be right back with more information, but now we're my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country F Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest, is Mr. John Medina, who is a world-renowned developmental molecular biologist and also an international author. And I've invited him to come to our show today to discuss his new book, Brain Rules for the Aging Well. So I highly, as I mentioned in our first segment to our listeners out there, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of this for your loved ones, for yourself. Um, John, I'm even, again, thank you for joining us today. Um, My pleasure. I think it's a great book for a book club to discuss, as well as probably some nursing homes might want to have that as a group lecture that will inspire <laughs> their residents there and their family members that might attend on and how to improve their their uh, situation in a nursing home. And I think it would have some drastic improvement if they implement some of all of your 10 brain rules uh, for aging well. Well, these have the benefit of not being an opinion. They are actually from the peer-reviewed literature. So statistically, they work all, all over the world and certainly would work in any place that decides. In any setting. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah. We, we've talked about dancing. We've talked about the importance of socializing and friends. And now I, I think there's a great one that you bring up, and which a lot of people don't think about, is that yeah. the, the, the positive attitude, the, the, the happiness... Yeah. Tell our listeners why that's so important. Well, as you get older, lots of things begin to happen to your body, and sometimes uh, you don't feel all that good about it, particularly med- medical issues uh, can come to the front, and that can lead to a certain amount of depression. So the question you can ask is, are there any things you can, anything you can do that will aid and abet happiness? Mostly because your brain, interestingly enough, wants to be happy. You can actually show on average... So the older you get, the more optimistic you like to become. You begin to see, uh, you pay more attention to positive stimuli than negative stimuli. You remember more details about optimistic stuff and whatnot. Doesn't mean it's all lollipops and roses, but there are things you can do to goose that up. In fact, there are three things. Number one is this. Uh, the literature is very clear about writing something called a gratitude letter. A gratitude letter is where you think of somebody that has meant something in your life, someone who has really impacted your life, and what you do is that you write them a 300-word letter. And after you've written that 300-word letter, you go find them if they're, in the, if they're in the same town or maybe get them on the phone or something, and you literally read that letter to them. If you read a gratitude letter, you begin to see that your own happiness and your risk for depression, your own happiness increases and your risk for depression gets lower. So the first of three suggestions are write a gratitude letter. Here's the second one. We call it the three good things list. Every night before you go to bed, write down three things you're grateful for. Now, you can't just write them down like a list. You actually have to write them down and then do a sentence or two describing why you're grateful for it. For example, you might have been grateful that you visited or that your nephew visited you or your niece visited you. But you can't just write that down, a visit with the nephew, visit with the niece. You then say, I am so happy I saw my nephew because he's doing so well and I was worried about him for a long time, but I'm not worried anymore. Oh. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. 
So if you do that on a nightly basis, you also change your risk for affective disorders like depression and anxiety, and your happiness level begins to increase. You, you, you are statistically happier. Then, and this is from the work of a, a researcher, actually all of these have been, uh, Marty Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania, says to practice something he calls PERMA behavior, P-E-R-M-A. And those stand for different things. For example, uh, the P stands for regularly experience positive emotions, like with the gratitude letter and the, uh, the three good things list. If you do, by the way, the gratitude letter and you read it to the person that you're grateful for, go ahead, Gary, try not to cry. No, yeah, <laughs> true. That's going to be a tough yeah. one. Those are very meaningful. They're very positive, and, and Marty says you should be doing that a lot. Uh, the E of PERMA means this. It stands for engagement. That means you lose yourself in something else. You externalize your center. And by that I mean you can volunteer for something or you begin to start teaching. In fact, there's a strong literature that suggests when seniors begin to teach, there is a boomerang effect. It actually improves their processing speed, improves their memory, decreases their risk of depression. So uh, the E for engagement, losing yourself in something, externalizing is great. The R stands for just what we were talking about in the first segment, the whole idea about relationships. You regularly form relationships with people and go out and see them. And you can include in this things like, let's say you've had a difficult relationship with one of your relatives. One of the most powerful things you can do for your brain health is to forgive them and then go see them. So the whole idea of having, if there's relational fractures, right. if you can in any way forgive them for whatever they did to you and then go out and see them, changes your uh, score on the uh, uh, socialization integration uh, aspect. The M of PERMA means this. Appeal to something bigger than you. Do something, uh, uh, meditating, meaningful prayer, volunteering at an organization where you're actually helping someone that is less fortunate than you. And that can include, even if you're in a wheelchair, you can be reading to somebody else sure. and you're all of a sudden appealing to something bigger than you. So uh, Marty suggests that everybody after a certain age should be actively involved in a charity. When you do that, you, you quit talking about your own aches and pains. You quit being worried about some of the things that are bothering you. So the M is meaning. Finally, A, and we can get into the weeds with this big one, because the A stands for accomplishment, where you achieve mastery over something that you don't have mastery of right now. For example, uh, uh, reading a, uh, 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 a book in a foreign language or, or learning a foreign language. No, learning a musical instrument. Learning a musical uh, instrument. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry? A musical instrument. Um, a musical instrument would be good. Um, going back to school, let's say that you were a, a, a math major in college. You go back to school and you get an art history degree. Wow. Or if you were an English major, you go back and get a biochemistry degree. Achieving mastery over something that you don't have is secret sauce for the brain. Yeah. And it, and it, and and it's it's challenging, but it also makes you feel good. Are you right? It does, but it does more. Than, uh, we know that if you learn a new language, you can delay the onset of dementia by almost four years. 
So it actually has real teeth to it, Gary. Oh. If you learn a new instrument that you hadn't done before, uh, for example, if you ha don't play the piano, then you learn it, then you teach the theory, you do sight reading, you can improve your executive function, which includes your short-term memory. So going out and learning a new musical instrument, like playing the piano, will improve your short-term memory. What happens uh, if we, you played the piano many years ago that you're still piddling, but you now you, you, you use it more often, for example, myself? That's right, yeah. But learn it for real. Now go back. If you haven't done it in a while, do it. Learn to uh, sight read. Uh, uh, learn the theory behind it. I mean, you regularly engage. This will not be comfortable at first, Gary. But believe it or not, it's the uncomfortable ability, the, the, the feeling of discomfort that is actually the secret sauce. If you just kind of wind back in your chair and want the world to just pass you by as you passively look at it, you can actually put your brain to sleep. But if you don't do that, if instead you seize the, the carpe diem feel of this, if you seize your curiosity and you go forward and you uh, do something that you've never done before, well, there's all kinds of really good things that is available to you. Lots of really good but things. But, John, that was one of the aspects of your book that I thought was fascinating, which I tell a lot of my seniors and mature adults that I visit with, is it's never too late to learn something. And no, whatever, never. if you're a 90s, um, uh, I love my mom. She passed away in 96, but she kept learning new stuff. She would read new things, try new items. I mean, it, it made her, I think, live to 96 that she kept doing, was so active. And she did many of the tasks you did here. But, I, you know, and also teaching. Uh, yeah. I've, been, I've been telling a lot of them, and I, I had a, a guest on my show that's, that's telling me, telling our listeners in a, in a few weeks that more and more seniors, 65 and older, are becoming tutors of others and it's inspired them and they've actually found that they're in better health now that they're offering to teach free uh, young people yeah. etc throughout the area so that's remarkable you know, Gary that's such good advice did you know that you actually if you start teaching people regularly you reduce your chance of acquiring Alzheimer's disease Wow, it's totally true uh, one other aspect I thought in the book that that caught my attention because um, uh, my my son and daughter who are you know way younger than me they said Dad why do you like those games that you're playing sometimes said, we're we're used to playing all those I said well I like those video games sometimes I, I, that gets me afraid that, that I, I I enjoy them but you in your book it says train your brain with video games right how about that and I said I'm going to tell my son Jason that that. <laughs> the expert John told me to do that. But, but you, not just any old video game. It can't be Mario and Call of Duty there, Gary. I know. It has to be some <laughs> other uh, invigorating games that, that help us. Well, there's actually three that do it. Shall we go into the go, go, go quickly. Okay, okay. This is the whole idea of that far transfer again. Right. Once you start doing something and something else happens. There's a game called Neuro Racer. It's a racing game. It was invented by neuroscientists. Uh, the video game guys, uh, uh, there's a, a cognitive gadget called working memory with distractions. So you have a good memory and you can keep it even if you're being distracted. The video game guys, after they played it for a month, got a plus 100 on the score. And without the training, the controls got a negative 100 on the score. Wow. And interestingly enough, those boosts were still found to be present six months later. So there's a double far transfer effect here. First, you know, you were playing a racing game, but you improved your working memory with distractions. But number two, the effect was long-lived. So that game, which is called Neuro Racer, Neuro is something Racer. that's being tested right. right now and will soon be available. Wow, I can't wait to get that one and play that one as well. Right. We're going to be <laughs> right back. 
We're going to be right back with more information, but now we're by sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears Tending Country Issue Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Avery's Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Mr. John Medina, who is a world-renowned developmental molecular biologist and international author, and I've invited him to come on the show today to discuss his new book, Brain Rules for Aging Well. Thank you, John, for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So we're we've been talking about about many of his this book, which I highly recommend everyone. If you just started listening into the show today, this book, Brain Rules for Aging Well, by John Medina, M E D I N A, available on Amazon, many other sources. Uh, you can also go to the Best of Times website, and you'll see a link to uh, to order this book. You can probably pick it up at local area bookstores as well. Focuses on ten. Brain rules for aging well, and I, I will say he elaborates on every one of these to the nth degree that helps you how know how to implement those particular items. Uh, one of the one, John, and I think you probably get this the most is memory issues. And when a yeah. person, when a individual, and you go into great detail about this, and which I think is differentiating mild cognitive impairment with I'm worried I have do I have Alzheimer's right? Sure. Oh, you bet. It is a large fear that people, as they get older, when they begin to see that certain uh, uh, things begin to go offline, and there is normal aging that isn't related to Alzheimer's at all, Gary. There are some, uh, your short-term memory fails, that episodic memory we were talking about fails, your tip of the tongue problem gets worse. Um, have you ever gone down to the basement to retrieve something, and you get down to the basement, and you realize, you ask, what the heck am I down here for? That's right. <laughs> Do we, do we that, call that, that senior worse. moments or senior loss in moments? That's, that's what I call it lately at, 60, at yeah. 67. Half-hibers, yeah. yeah. Hey, but, but at least it's not consistent. Uh, I'll yeah. eventually find yeah. it. It may not be Im- immediately retaining where I put that particular item, correct? Yeah, but that's not sign of a pathology. That's a normal part of the aging process. Thank you. One of the reasons why I wrote the book is that you can aid and abet all of that stuff. You can boost it. But there is a dementia that is not normal, and uh, um, Alzheimer's is one of those. Generalized dementia is another one. And the question I get asked a lot, and you're absolutely right, how can I tell the difference between the two of them? Uh, the answer is actually really simple. Uh, uh, in fact, I think the best advice probably comes from the Mayo Clinic. Your friends and your loved ones begin to notice that something is wrong. That's the best way to distinguish it. Okay, but I will be the skeptic here. If something wrong, does that mean t- lots of episodes that are wrong? or an is- It's not an isolated incident that Gary forgot his keys or went to the wrong car. Sure. Well, there are some abnormal signs. For example, it is it, it is absolutely normal that you forget uh, something when you went down to the basement. It is abnormal to to forget that you're in the basement. Oh, okay. Okay. You well, if you walk out the door and all of a sudden for five or ten minutes you no longer know where you are, it is absolutely normal to forget your car keys when you're going out the door. It is absolutely abnormal to forget you're in Shreveport, Louisiana. Good, good point. Okay. 
And so if you see a loved one, you, if you see a person that has that, then you know that there's a possibility there could be more serious Alzheimer's, right? That's oh, what, yeah. That's what you're telling us. Okay. In fact, the big, there, are, there are the 10 big signs that, that your loved ones will notice. That's why uh, many people who are actually going to get into a dementia have known for a while, Gary, that something is wrong, but they're really embarrassed. They don't want to tell anybody. Or they're even afraid that what might be true is true, which is why it has to sort of bubble up into the surface and other people take a look at it before you become convinced. Yeah. And I will it, tell everyone, in your book, you you go over these ten signs yeah. of... of uh uh, of, of a person possibly having dementia, and wow, I mean, of, sure. of, of course, uh, I see a lot of it when I uh, visited people in nursing homes. You could see their mood is sure. really grass is changing over the past many years that I, that, that, that I visited sure. them there, right? Sure. Well, we can go through the ten if you like. This is from the Alzheimer's Association because one of them is dramatic changes in mood or personality. Right. You are no longer, you, you become so short tempered that you start screaming at people, and that's not normal. Now, if you're a normal screamer, <laughs> then if you all of a sudden become silent, that's a problem because another sign of Alzheimer's is a withdrawal from social interactions and a withdrawal from work and a, and a withdrawal from life. You just kind of, kind of move into yourself. And we think at least in the beginning stages, that's because uh, you have realized that there's something is wrong and you're going, whoa, wait a minute. And you and you start slowing everything down. So that person that loved to dance, loved to socialize, no longer wants to do that. Pulls back That's pretty, right. pretty uh, abrupt, abruptly. Right, and it and it's actually fairly dramatic. And when you they don't visit you anymore, they don't call. That's why it's really important that loved ones around them be constantly in interacting and engaging with people that 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 are elderly that they love. Because they will be able to notice those signs actually pretty quickly. And, and uh, I'm going to mention out there, I've noticed that some people are telling me, well, my mom or dad doesn't have the good judgment anymore. She's buying these weird things. She's uh, buying items that she doesn't need. She's, she's like hoarding stuff, but she's buying stuff, um, be a mail yeah. order, be a call up, be a yeah. going out and about. And that could be, I, and, and you listed that one as being the sign is poor judgment and deciding on what to what to buy and what not to buy, right? That's right. Uh, decreased or poor judgment of almost anything. They go out in the they go out in the uh, uh, in the rain without a coat, or they are all of a sudden they want to drive and they get into the car and they don't have their keys, but they get into the car and say, "Huh, why is this car not moving?" So there's a a, a, a judgment that's, that's started their decision making ability and their ability to even have a presence of where they are in the midst of those judgments uh, is increasingly poor. Yeah, you go to Costco and you buy ten thousand jars of mayonnaise. That's poor judgment. Poor judgment. I'd I'd love to go elaborate on this on all, many items in your book. We just don't have time, but give our give our listeners a little uh, little uh, little lanyap, a little extra. I'm I'm still telling them you need to pick up this book because he goes into great detail on all these particular topics that we're discussing and many, many more. Uh, so if you detect it early, you can slow it down by medication. Yeah, okay. uh, we hear about medication, but there are other ways to slow it down? If it's true Alzheimer's, the answer is no, you can't. It's, it's, the, uh, uh, it's the currently number five or number six, depending on the study, leading cause of death in the human family. There's a quote in the Alzheimer's Association that's uh, devastating. It's the hardest sentence in my book. I have Here's the quote. Alzheimer's is the only cause of death among the top ten that cannot be prevented, cured, or even slowed down. Oh. 
if you've got it, it's a goner. There's a tremendous amount of money being thrown at it. And the suggestions that seem to be the best so far is that you have to hit it with a multi-pronged effort. So you have to do the book club, and you have to uh, uh, have the right amount of socialization, and you've got to read, and you've got to do the music. One we didn't talk about too much, but we can talk about, is that you have to eat correctly. Okay. There is a diet that buffers against the negative effects of dementia, and maybe even Alzheimer's disease. Here is that diet. And this is uh, 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 a very sad for me to say, because, Gary, I would like to die with barbecued ribs stuck in my mouth. <laughs> I love the stuff that's not good for me. <laughs> in moderation, John, in moderation, right? Yeah, there you go. But uh, there's a process. That you may have heard of the Mediterranean diet. Oh, before. yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So lots of fruits and veggies, lots of, if you're going to do meat, it's got to be chicken and not ribs. Darn oh, it. No. <laughs> There's also something called the mind diet. Mike Pollan has said it best. And eat a lot of seafood, especially from the Seattle area, right? I know you're in the Seattle area. Yeah. I've got relatives well, there. you there. go. Yeah, but turns well, out seafood's pretty good for you. <laughs> and salmon is especially good for you. Well, yeah. What about sleep? A lot of people tell me that when they get older, they sleep less and they feel like, you know, right. their, their, their memories get bad, and I'm, I'm, what I tell them is, well, you need to get more sleep, and your memory's going to improve. Well, th that's true. As It's more difficult as you get older, because as you age, sleep becomes more fragmented, especially something we call slow-wave sleep. You still need the same amount of sleep, but you just don't get it. In youth, your slow-wave sleep, that's where you're in your deepest sleep, where it's really hard to wake you up. 20% of the night is spent in slow-wave sleep if you're 18, but if you're 80, it's 9%. And you still need the 20. So the question you can ask is, is there anything you can do to improve it? Mm -hmm. On average, you need between six and seven hours. That appears to be the sweet spot. Hey, Here's I'm, what I'm you there. can do to get a better night's sleep. The very first thing to do is you need to pay attention to what you do in the afternoon. Okay? Not the in the afternoon? morning, not in the evening. The afternoon. In the afternoon. Okay. No caffeine, no alcohol, and no nicotine six hours before you go to sleep. No Six kidding. hours. Okay, I never heard of that far, that far in advance. Okay. Sorry. So if you go to bed, you know, if you're going to go to bed at 10 o'clock, then your witching hour is 4 o'clock, right? Okay. Six hours. So, we need, is this. so I need to move my sleeping to 12 midnight so I can go out to dinner and have my cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that right. legit, John? <laughs> it sure is, especially if you eat ribs. Oh, you know? thank you very much. Okay, okay. <laughs> my listeners out there are saying, what is this Gary trying to do? Change our, change our going to bed at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm also a sucker. You know, my dad was born in Anniston, Alabama, and oh. I love his diet. I love fried chicken. I love greens. I love, I love, I love a good Memphis rib. I love North Carolina. I love the whole thing, Gary. Oh, so yeah. I am I'm the perfect person to say this because I don't want it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> but we can always say it, John, in moderation. That's what my doctor and my son, the doctor, yeah. says in moderation. There you, go. you can have it's a little, moderation. You yeah. can take up, you know, a little bit. Not every day. Not every day. Not three times a day. Not three times a day having ribs, right? Right, um, exactly. Two times a day is fine. You know, yeah. especially the baby backs. You know, they've got a nice bark on them. Oh, oh yes, yes. Let's go. Let's go get some food. What do you think, Gary? That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, before we close here, we got a few more minutes left. Uh, I want to touch on a couple other ones I thought fascinating. One of your chapters is you can't live forever, at least not yet, right? Right. And you mentioned yeah. some of the about genetics, about uh, sure. genetic therapy, about the wonder drugs in the future, et cetera, right? Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Thought was fascinating. I mean, that is, that was, that book really said, whoa, there are a lot of interesting um, uh, research being done throughout the world. And he mentions various products that that are being tested, and sure. a lot of them hadn't reached the reached the um, the public yet, but are out there right. trying to improve our defective genes to, to right. increase our longevity. Well, it's already increased. You you mentioned in the book that in comparison to many years ago, it was where we're still living. Uh, quite long, right? Right. Well, if you do the, um, we should define the terms. Uh, longevity is the is defined as the amount of time you can spend on the planet if conditions were perfect. Okay. If you ate right, if you there were no wars, you didn't get infectious diseases. And for humans, that's probably about 115 years. Maybe 120, uh, 122 at the outset. That's longevity. Lifespan is defined as the number of years you're going to spend on the planet given that conditions are almost never ideal. So uh, when at the turn of the last century, we were living about to about age 40. Now we've doubled it. Now it's almost the, by the age of 80. So we're increasing our lifespan all the time. And increasingly, we're beginning to understand the genes that govern, here's the term, longevity. Okay? Okay, longevity. So we know that the variance in human lifespan, the amount of time, because you might live to 90 and I might live to 70, uh, only 33% of that is dependent on how well you chose your parents. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it's only only about a third of it is, is genetic. The other 67% or so is what you do in your lifestyle. So when scientists look at to try to get the, the genes that could make you live like for 500 years, they're not after that. Those probably don't exist. But what does exist are genes that aid and abet some people's ability to live to 115. So what's happening currently, in fact, this was just in the New York Times. There are groups of researchers that are going around and taking uh, blood samples of all kinds of people that we call welderlies. These are people that have lived past the age of 100 and are still doing really well to try and understand if there's something about their genes which could actually change lifespan into longevity. Wow. That makes sense. And they're starting to get some. There's a gene called IGF-1, for example, that will increase the length of life of many uh, laboratory animals. You have to knock By that I mean uh, its presence, its absence uh, produces the longevity. You have to knock it out. There's another one called Sirtuin that if you overdrive it, you can change the lifespan of most laboratory creatures. Now, there is a problem with humans right now, and that is almost every time you've, we've tried to do something like that with humans, we, all, we, we they might live longer, but it also increases the risk for cancer. Oh, okay. So trying to figure out how to get the life, you know, uh, push uh, your lifespan to equal your longevity means we have a big cancer thicket that we have to navigate before we will actually have a long life gene in hand. Well, thank you, John, for joining us today. You are remarkable. I look forward to having you possibly come back on the show again to continue this. But I want to advise all of my listeners out there, pick up a copy. It's called Brain Rules for Aging Well by John Medina. Thank you again, John, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Senate Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. <laughs> 